Today on CityCast Denver. Sidle on up to the campfire, and I'll tell you a tale. Folks in these parts don't take kindly to strangers asking about it, but when the full moon is bright and the night air is calm, you can hear it chug, chug, chugging its way between Denver and Boulder. They call it the ghost train. Except there is no such train, despite RTD's promise to build one almost 20 years ago. And that broken promise was only the beginning. CPR transportation reporter and longtime friend of the show, Nathaniel Miner, is back with me and Bree to talk about Ghost Train, his new podcast series investigating the myth, the legend, and the facts of our public transit quagmire. And yes, he finally did figure out why that train was never built. Today is Friday, March 4th, 2022. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, and I have to say, happy 303 day, everyone. You all will be hearing this on 304 day, which of course is for West Virginia, and we're going to let them have that, but we're recording on the 3rd. So, happy 303 day. Uh, our regular host, Bree Davies, is here with me. Bree, how are you celebrating 303 day today? Oh, I don't, oh gosh. We should probably do something for lunch. Hmm. What would be Distinctly, the most Denvery lunch? I mean, Chubbies or yeah. Chubbies, probably. I don't know if I can handle Chubbies today. <laughs> I love Chubbies, but it's a real commitment to your stomach. It's really a commitment to screwing up your whole next day if you're not careful so i don't know mm. i've listened to the 303 oh i'm yeah. a self-professed major fan of theirs our so. producer xander mcmahon is just typing into the dock here listen to 303 <laughs> so i guess that's what she'll be doing uh okay and we also have a very special guest today to help us celebrate 303 day cpr's transportation reporter nate minor is joining us nate welcome to the show happy 303 day happy 303 day paul uh, so Nate, uh, how are you going to celebrate? Oh my God. I'm so nervous to answer this question. There's so many wrong answers. <laughs> it's like sure. there are this many wrong answers and this many right answers and how you answer says Thank a lot about who you are. You should ride the 15. I should ride the 15. It's a good idea. <laughs> to celebrate. Is uh, there like a traditional 303 day celebration? I know there's a concert happening tonight. I feel like it's a fairly new quote holiday in our canon as a city. So I wouldn't yeah. say there's anything official yet, but yes, the concert huh. could be. Yeah. Maybe back. I'll go to wax tracks on the way home and oh. buy a blues record or something. That's a nice idea. Yeah. That would be a nice idea. I said blues. I'm not going to buy a blues record. I might flip through the new arrivals and then go, uh, do I really need that for $18? And then, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> like every trip to wax tracks. Yeah. Um, so we have Nate on the show today because this week you published the fourth and final episode of Ghost Train, your podcast about how one polluted, traffic-choked city went all in on trains and what happened when that plan jumped the tracks. First of all, congratulations on the achievement. It's a serious work uh, looking into RTD and our public transportation system, so congrats. Thank you. Um, but I want to start with uh, where this project came from. You know, you and I talked about this a few months ago, actually, when you were just, I think, just starting to work on it, or maybe you had started already. And 
I kind of have a bone to pick with you. Okay. Because uh, you texted me at one point and you said, hey, do you have any good ideas for a name for what, what you, we'd call a show about RTD and this uh, long-promised train to Boulder? Do you, remember, uh, do you remember what I proposed? Let me uh, take out my <laughs> phone and scroll back a little bit here. Yeah, take your time. Yeah. We're, we're going to want this. Uh, train to the pain? Mm. Becoming traffic? Becoming traffic, that would have been more for like a poetic take on the subject. I love RTD with Paul Caroli. Yeah, why didn't you go with that? <laughs> it seemed a little niche. You think? It made it into the final round. Okay. Um, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I just had trouble convincing everyone else at the table that this was the one to go with. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So Ghost Train was the final pick. Tell us about Ghost Train. What, what is it? What does that mean? Ghost train. Um, it's it's a. There's a couple of meanings to it, right? One is uh, we built. We being the taxpayers of Denver and surrounding suburbs, we built a lot of trains that a lot of people don't ride. Mm-hmm. Um, they are empty much of the time. This was true even before the pandemic. They're mostly meant to serve rush hour commuters. So three years ago, you look at the train at one o'clock in the afternoon, probably pretty empty. So ghost mm-hmm. train. Um, reflected that and mm-hmm. um of course they didn't build everything um the train to boulder uh that has not been built uh people if you talk to anyone in boulder um and i did this i went up this didn't make it into the show but we just went up to like the downtown bus depot in boulder and mm-hmm. just talked to people for a little bit and people remember and they're mad <laughs> um so that it kind of is, is is saying like this is a, a big project that may not ever get done and it is haunting RTD now. Hmm. Brie, what's your experience of this of this ghost train to Boulder? Is that is that a thing that like you feel viscerally like people here seem to? Um, I feel so my mom grew up here too. Mm-hmm. And like if you bring this up to her, she's like, We paid for that and I never saw it. <laughs> and she's correct. <laughs> She'll also tell you she grew up in your neighborhood, Paul in Virginia Village. She'll mm-hmm. tell you, um, the reason her parents got the house that they ended up getting in their new development at that time was because the original owners who had had purchased the house in this new development decided against it because there was no um, streetcar close. Huh. And so this was in the 50s. Um, and because there was going to be no mass transit, they didn't want to live there, which is something that I think we heard kind of reflected in Nate's, uh, in your series. You know, you talked to the, a person that had purchased a home in Boulder for that very reason. And so um, it's an interesting concept to me, but I grew up in the car-centric city known as Denver. And um, while we used public transit at some points in my life, it's never been uh, something that we had to rely on, frankly. Um, So I'm also, I feel like I'm on this conversation as the resident pariah (laughs) car driver. (laughs) I drove here this morning. You drove, you drove here this <laughs> Look, morning? Look, the bus by my house comes twice an hour, every 30 <laughs> minutes. And you miss it, you're screwed. So here we are. Do you feel like you have to like say that with uh, with your sources just to clear the air at the top of the show, like where you're coming from? Like, yes, I have a car. I drove here. I drove I'm, it. Not, I'm not some bike evangelist or whatever. I find that people are very interested in how I get around. Like yeah. I once wrote a story about how SUVs like kill a lot of people because they're big mm-hmm. and they like mow people over um, and they're bad for the environment, yada, yada. And good Lord, people came out of the woodwork like, well, what do you drive, sir? 
Uh, and so I said, yeah, 2005 Toyota Corolla, what about it? <laughs> a car so small and flimsy couldn't kill a person. I know, that's, like, right. that's the that's least right. offensive car you, you could be driving. You hit someone and they just kind of go, hey. Ow. <laughs> um, I don't hit people with my car, just to be clear. <laughs> so Nate, we, we got to talk more about Ghost Train here. Yeah. It's a big project. I mean, RTD is this sprawling network. There's so many public transit issues stemming from, you know, RTD's choices in the last 20 years. Why why was now the right time for such an extensive reporting project on this topic? Uh, because I was able to convince my bosses that cool, they should cool, let me do cool, it. Cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> but if you want a, a better answer, um, it's because we are we're coming out of this very strange period in time um, where we weren't really sure what was going to happen with the city, with what, how we live in it. And that was really interesting to me, right? Because before this pandemic, all these train lines had opened, downtown was booming, Union Station was the place to be. And it was like, wow, this thing is working, um, you know, to, to uh, the lay person's eye. Like, that's what it seemed like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the pandemic, like everyone kept driving and public transit just like fell off a cliff. Mm -hmm. Um, and to me, this was a great opportunity to look at why we built all this stuff, what it was trying to accomplish and whether it's going to be like any good for the future. Like, will it help us actually achieve our stated goals as a community of reducing traffic, increasing equity, um, access to equity and, uh, you know, decreasing the the amount of carbon that we spew in the air. Um, And cars are a huge part of that. Yeah. We got to talk about the big question now, Nate. Uh Uh-oh. The train to Boulder. Train to Boulder, yeah. You figured it out. What happened? (laughs) Give us us the Cliff Notes version of why the train wasn't built. Okay. So the the story kind of really starts in the the late 90s. RTD had just failed at the ballot. They wanted to build this huge system. they went to the ballot in 97 and lost. And it wasn't super specific what they were going to build. They just were like, hey, taxpayers, give us a bunch of money and we'll build a lot of stuff. And the taxpayers were like, well, what are you going to build? And they were like, uh, we don't know yet, but give us the money and we'll figure it out. And that did not fly. So uh, in the <laughs> early 2000s, they come back and they're like, all right, we have some really good plans and here's exactly what we're going to build everywhere. And the taxpayers were like, great. And they said yes. And in this plan was a bunch of trains all over the place, um, out to Golden, out to the airport, through Aurora, um, up north to Thornton and North Glen, and then to Boulder. Um, Big, long train to Boulder, and then it would hit the diagonal and go up to Longmont. And Boulder also got a bus line, an express bus line that opened five or six years ago called the Flatiron Flyer. And the, the problems kind of started right there. Because in this big system that RTD was pitching, they were telling everyone across the region, all right, you get a train, you get a train, you get a train. But Boulder was like, we want a train and a bus. Mm. And RTD was like, okay. And from there, you know, after this vote in 2004, a lot of unforeseen things happen. A lot of problems come up. The Great Recession happens. Costs go through the roof. Sure. Um, Burlington Northern Santa Fe, which owns the big freight track between Denver and Boulder and Longmont. They're like, oh, um, you wanted to use our track for this thing. It's actually going to cost you a lot more money than you thought. 
And so that kind of kills the project right there about 2011. They're like, and they said that after the vote. That's right. Um, so but, RTD didn't confirm with BNSF before the vote. That's right. How much it was going to cost to use the track? Yeah, they didn't actually get this price from BNSF at the time. They estimated it. Eight years later, six or seven years later, when they go to BNSF and say, "Hey, we're going to start building this thing. We're doing this really detailed study. What do you need from us?" BNSF is like, "Well." You want to run your train so often here that you're going to need to build an entire second and maybe a third track, and that's going to cost you at least half a billion dollars. Yeah. And it's at that point that RTD is like, oh, shoot. And they just kind of pull back, and that project just kind of goes into hibernation, and they build the bus line instead. It's surprising to me that BNSF <laughs> didn't get more shit for, <laughs> for, B, for their role yeah. in this total tanking of something that voters approved. You know, I think they've gotten a fair amount of it. Um, but from BNSF's perspective, and I, I, they didn't talk to me on the record, but I did talk to their main guy who just retired a month ago. So he talked to me. And he uh, basically, it's not BNSF's problem to make sure that RTD can do Fair. its thing. Right, so yeah, if they're RTD, a company, right? yeah, they're a private company. If RTD's out there telling their taxpayers and voters, "Hey, we can do this," and BNSF is thinking like, "Well, maybe not." Like, it's not really in BNSF's interest to go out and say, "Like, excuse me, RTD, but you're wrong." You know, they should have made some sort of agreement so before they, the selling this to the voters. Right, that's it, yeah, that's pretty it's on RTD. It's it's on RTD for not doing a better job before the fact. What a colossal failure to to make a promise like that. I, I just I, that was my impression from the series. I think you totally undersold this mistake. Hmm. Like the fact that they promised voters that they could do it for this price, and they hadn't confirmed the price. So they they're giving away all this leverage to this private company. BNSF could have been like it cost four billion dollars. You know. Well, to be fair, I think I called it perhaps the biggest mistake in RTD's history <laughs> in the fourth episode. <laughs> but yeah. I take your point. Um, and what I what I heard from people um, on the RTD side is like, look, you don't get your plans down to a T before you go to the ballot because mm. that takes years. Like to do all these engineering and environmental studies, you're talking, you know, three or five years millions of dollars just to get the plans ready like mm -hmm. had they done that they might have not gone to the ballot for years afterward which that's more time to things for things to get expensive that's more time for the great recession to happen so hmm. you can kind of see both sides of this coin here rtd should have done a better job definitely on the other hand had they got their plans down you know super detailed plans in hand it may not have happened for for years afterward probably would have shrunk in size um i i think the lesson here is like maybe don't try to build an entire network at once right this episode is brought to you by the colorado wine board because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. 
There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. Do you think there's something about like the way we fund these big infrastructure projects and like our democratic system that isn't super compatible? Like we maybe don't need to be putting something specific like this up to a vote of the people when in reality, like what the need is that the, the our, our public institutions are addressing is more of just like, we need a way for people to get from one place to the other. Like we need a way for our city to to function not necessarily like we need this specific train and this specific bus line sure you know what i mean yeah it's a double-edged sword right because sure like i mean because of Tabor, rtd had to go to the ballot to get a tax increase but if you just like look more holistically cdot could decide to spend less of its money expanding highways and more money on mass transit they could do that but you know, when this happened in 2004, we've got how many decades of precedent before this where people drive here, mm-hmm. people drive. And if the state and government in general starts taking money for car infrastructure and starts shifting it, you know, like in a big way to mass transit, people aren't going to like that. They're not going to yeah. support that. So what a ballot measure does is not only um, generates revenue, but you get people excited. Like, the whole population or at least a majority of it to support a thing. Yeah. And that is sort of an intangible thing. Well, I was just going to say that's sort of like the elephant in the room. That's not really an elephant. Everybody knows people drive here. Yeah. Like that was the, the part that I struggle with is like, I listened to your series this week, the same time that we did a story about I 70 widening yet again, $700 million to widen a highway that, politicians from across the country came out to talk about like clearly that's the priority and it's hard for the average car driver to make a shift when the people that are making decisions for us are actively not making that shift either out of our cars so i i don't know yeah i mean there are government plans up the wazoo on the city level, the regional level, and even the state is looking at this that are like, we need more people to drive less, but, but we're not going to give <laughs> yeah, them it's like everything relies on this that. is yes. This is the crux of my problem with this argument is like, I feel like car drivers are the silent majority. Like you don't hear from them as much as you see us. We, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? We are the city. Very Nixonian of you. Yeah. It, well, and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I making it harder for me to drive is not going to convince me that the bus is the answer or the train is the answer. So I don't know how we do it. I don't know how we change people's habits if we don't make it something that's not not just appealing. It doesn't have to be appealing as much as it has to be easy. Like, for instance, I live on Alameda. There's mm-hmm. an Alameda bus. Do you know how hard it is to cross the street at Alameda? It's like a death trap. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that with my baby if I don't have to. I'd rather get in my car. Yeah, but it's all connected. Right. Alameda is like five lanes across right there at least. Oh, it's terrifying. And... 
So it's easier to drive because it's five lanes across. Right. If they narrowed it, which would make it harder to drive, it would also make it easier to cross. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but if the city of Denver does that and then RTD can't follow through with the bus service that you actually need and they still just run their buses every 30 minutes, who wins in that situation? Everyone's mad. Exactly. Right? So you can't just do one thing. Right. And I try to get at this point in the, in the last episode with this, this woman in Boulder who bought the condo um, right by the would-be train station. And there are examples of this all over the Boulder region, Boulder, Louisville, especially places that built for this train and now RTD doesn't serve them hardly at all. So you just have like these compact little neighborhoods that don't have transit service. So you need to drive, but it's hard to drive there because everything's really tightly packed together. Yeah. Like it's not, <laughs> what are we doing not here? Working together. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. That actually touches on another like interesting theme of, uh, of the series as a whole was this like these idealized, visions of of life here in Colorado. Like I think there's like a Colorado dream, you know, maybe not an American dream, but a Colorado dream. You move here, you buy a Subaru, you adopt a three-legged dog, you spend your weekends hiking in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And that means you have to have a car. You gotta drive. You gotta drive drive to the trailhead. Buses don't go there. Like that's just part of, that's part of why people come. That's part of why people want here. But then you also talk about this this idea people have of of trains, this like romantic notion of riding trains in the West. Like, what what do you think, Nate? I, I would love to hear what you think about those like intangible attachments people have to different forms of transportation. After all of this, like, what do we do with those feelings now? The, in putting this together, the most interesting thing that I learned was that that dream changes over time. A um, hundred years ago, people didn't really think that way. If you just look at at how our city was built and what what accessibility was, most people used a streetcar to get around. There were railroads that could get you into the mountains, but it was a long trip. And so the, I mean, I, I someone on Twitter, um, David Gilbert tweeted this video of Broomfield as it was being built in the fifties, <gasps> yeah. and it was like the beautiful suburban Broomfield, Colorado, and. Like that was the new vision after the war was like, Hmm. you know, you don't have to live in the dirty city anymore. We have cars now and that means everyone gets space and you can get, there's like literally video of a guy fly fishing somewhere above Boulder and it's so beautiful. (laughs) And like that was the new vision. And like that's what we've kind of clung to for 50 years, 50 odd years, maybe a little more. But I don't know, you know this better than I do. I just moved here eight years ago that vision is changing now because everyone here wants it. Yeah. Which means driving 70 sucks (laughs) and driving Boulder Canyon sucks. (laughs) And so like, to me, that means the vision needs to change again because there just isn't enough space for everyone to have a car and to go anywhere they want, whenever they want. It just isn't like they're going to expand I 70 at Idaho Springs and that'll allow more people to get through there. And it might speed up traffic for a little bit. And more people are going to try to get through there. Right. Which is what has happened as growth has happened, like you said. Yeah. It used to be way easier to take a trip up to, you know, Idaho Springs. Okay. So I I think about this, like, my my dad's an economist, so I always have that, like, that lens on the world when it comes to these things. And I think about supply and demand. This traffic issue strikes me as a a supply and demand problem. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, there's all of this demand for this one specific type of experience, but... 
when the cost of it is, is going up, you know, like the traffic makes it less pleasant, makes it less enjoyable. I feel like if there were other good options presented to people, they would take them. But because the experience, the total experience of driving and tolerating that traffic to enjoy like the skiing at Copper or, or Winter Park or wherever, is it still must be better because that's what people are choosing. But so, Nate, I know that you've actually like experimented with trying to get some of that good stuff without suffering the traffic. Like what could you, what advice would you give people for trying to, to pursue those other options? Like what are the other good things that maybe are being overlooked? Uh. It's it's really hard to do that here, but if you, um, I, I hate to be that guy, but if you go to another place that's kind of like Denver in terms of topography, like go to a city in Germany and then go to the mountains, mm. like go to Munich, which is kind of like Denver out on the plains, and then you can get to the mountains um, without a car and you can get to trailheads without a car. Like it is possible. There's nothing special about Colorado and Denver that says that couldn't happen here. You can technically do it here. It's very difficult. Like last fall, because I'm dumb and I like pain, I got on the Amtrak. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, first I got on the number 12 bus. Then I got on the E-line. And then I got on the Amtrak and went all the way to Fraser, which is the first stop to the west in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And, that, and then I walked a couple of miles to the trailhead. And then I walked over the Indian Peaks to Netherlands where I got on the RTD bus and made it back home. You can do it. It was not easy. <laughs> was that like a cool, was that a fun day? Like, was that a cool adventure? Um, yeah, it was definitely an adventure. It made me feel like I wasn't in Colorado because I was not in a car at any point in this journey. Nate, how long did that whole thing take? I left Sunday morning at like eight mm-hmm. and I got home at like 2 p.m. the next day, 3 p.m. the next day. Hmm. I mean, I, I like brought my stuff and like slept overnight Yeah, by a lake up there at like, I don't know, 11,000 feet or something. And there was a moose that scared the crap out of me. <laughs> so, so we don't need to get into that. this is also a Colorado experience <laughs> Very Colorado experience, yeah. Hmm. I just want to ask something totally separate. Yeah. But you talk about this a little in the series, um, the streetcar, right? Uh-huh. We talk about how it shaped some of our neighborhoods in the way that we still see today. But I think that it's romanticized in a weird Absolutely. way. Absolutely. What do you think about that? Like, is that helpful? Is that counterproductive to this Denver in 2022? Is that a reality? Why do we keep going back to that? I, you know, it's funny. People, I see it all the time. People say, bring back the streetcars. I could get anywhere I want. And it's like, for the most part, if you take a look at RTD's bus map, pretty close to the streetcar map. It's, it's a little different, but like you can get all these places on a bus and an actual streetcar, if they put one in today, it would still be in mixed traffic. It would still, you know, like how exactly would it be better than a bus? I I don't know. Yeah. It's (laughs) like this vision of a different time, really. I mean, it's like we're romanticizing something that doesn't exist anymore. And they, they ripped them out in the fifties because they were uncomfortable and because more people were driving and they were just in the way. Yeah. Um, and that is kind of been the status quo ever since. So like the bus could be better if fewer people drove and more people were on it so that it wasn't, it wouldn't be stuck in traffic. Like it's gets back to the chicken and egg thing. Well, Nate, I think that is a perfect segue to this piece. I want to wrap up with, um, 
you deliver uh, a monologue at the end of episode three. Oh yeah. Um, can you? <laughs> they really pulled that out of me, by the way. To, yeah, set <laughs> set it up for us. I want to play that clip, and I want I want you to explain where that came from and what, yeah. what you were hoping for. To be honest, it kind of made me uncomfortable because as a you know a straight news reporter, it's like when the podcast editors are like, so what do you think? And I'm like, doesn't matter what I think. They're like, yeah, it does. You just <laughs> made us listen to 90 minutes of train talk. You need to tell us what you think. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's kind of what we've been talking about. Like if we if we actually want to achieve these goals, we need to change some pretty big things about what we want out of life and how we expect to live it. Um, and I just make the case that that's something we should do hmm. because I don't like seeing people get hit by cars and killed. I don't like breathing bad air, brown cloud in the winter or ozone in the summer. Like I don't want that future. Hmm. So I tried to put that into context of this whole show and the people I talked to and, um, people that I think really represent the city. All right, well, we're going to go out on that short excerpt from Ghost Train, the new podcast from Colorado Public Radio, and our guest today is transportation reporter Nate Miner. Nate, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Bree. Thanks, you guys. This is great. So what should we make of all of this? How can we tackle problems like climate change, air quality, and equitable access to opportunities? And will RTD's trains be any help? Well, here's what I've learned, both through reporting this series and since I started writing them almost eight years ago. When Cal Marcella first envisioned Fast Tracks, he built it as something that could help commuters escape traffic. He offered a vision of transit that tried to give everyone freedom, their cars, and a train ride. The Denver area has been growing like crazy for the last decade as these train lines have opened. They have incentivized some transit-friendly growth. But for the most part, governments here keep prioritizing the car by expanding highways, which increases urban sprawl. So air quality and traffic problems just get worse. If we really want to make a dent in those problems, we need to do more than change how we move. We also need to change how far we need to move. And that means we might have to change what our communities look like to be less like a suburb and more like a city. And I'm not talking about some luxury condos downtown on top of big parking garages. I'm talking about more affordable homes built in walkable places where you don't need a car to access everything in your life, work, school, and the grocery store. It means taking space away from cars and putting more resources into walking, cycling, and transit to make those easier and safer. It means using the bus to get to a trailhead or a ski slope. It means a deep overhaul in what we build and how we live. Buses and trains will never be able to go as many places as a car can, but they shape our world in a way where you don't need to go as far. And that type of world has its own kind of freedom.
That's all for the week here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, Xander McMahon, and Carly Jones. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter. Our regular host is Bree Davies. Our music is by Los Mocochetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. Plus, additional music and sound effects today from the Epidemic Sound Library. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, at CityCastDenver, and tell a friend about us next time you see it. You can sign up for that daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you all next week. Happy birthday, Greggy. I love you. I'm so proud of you. You're on tour with Devochka right now. I love my husband. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be so embarrassed. <laughs>